Okay, so we're on the uh, topic of justification. This is a church Sunday school class. We call it discipleship. We want to know what we believe and why we believe it and confess our faith and, you know, understand our faith is a deposit. It's been given to us in Scripture, and we use this confession of faith, the Westminster Confession, to give us a good summary of what the Bible teaches. If you look at the Bible, it's 66 books written over 1,400 years uh, apart by uh, 40 plus authors. It's one story, but there's some intimidation as far as putting it all together and making making sense of the whole thing. So one thing that we found to be very helpful in church history is to make written confessions of what we believe. And that's what we have here in the Westminster Confession of Faith. So we're on chapter 20, or chapter 11 of it, uh, class 12. So this is really part B of class 12. So we looked at justification last week, what it is. Uh, justification in Scripture is really uh, who God is. It's uh, a status He bestows. It's an act that He, he gives. Just, you can be justified. God is just, and it's a status of justified or righteous. That same word or concept is, is used all over the place. And we're looking at it in, in the sense of a law court. We are legally justified by God, meaning legally declared innocent, not guilty, and righteous. Righteous is three things. So, all right, so let's think about that. What's the implication of that? When I was out in Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina, there's a, the thing you do when you're at Grandfather Mountain in North Carolina is you, everyone has to walk across this uh, swinging bridge. It's a suspension, suspension bridge uh, that is over 5,000 feet high. And so you're, you're a mile high, and it's, a, it's, I don't know, it's very long, very, very long bridge, very far uh, across this, uh, these, these two points, and you have to, you have to go across it. So, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to have, like, faith, I believe, in this bridge to walk across. You have to, you have to believe you can stand upon it, right? And, and that's not going to fail, right? So, so what are some ways, what are some reasons you might decide to have faith in the bridge? Someone else has done it. Yeah, you see people walking on it already, right? You see Someone people, walk yeah. bigger than you. Guys. Yes, perhaps, yeah. You, you, they, they've tested it out, yeah. So, so you know the, you, you fall in the safe weight limit or something like that? Hello, welcome. We are glad uh, to, to, so we're asking this question, why would you go on this 5,000-foot bridge? What are some reasons to do this? You know, it's, it sounds like a, a perilous situation. You can kind of see the view from, from point A. You don't need to go on the bridge to see the view. So you're not, you're not you know, really gaining anything necessarily. Uh, you could see it. You could justify your way out of doing it, I would think, you know, so... But yeah, I mean, you might know the builder. You could know the builder. You could know who who built it. Yeah, that would be a good reason, right? You trust you. You might that might be a reason to either trust or distrust the bridge. You know, depending on who, who the guy is who made it. You know, is he credible or not? He or she. So, so you think about that. So there's a lot of reasons you can you can talk your way into getting on that bridge or not getting on that bridge. But the thing is, is you have to decide: Am I going to be able to stand upon this, or am I going to fall? And so that's going to determine your posture or what you're going to do with the rest of your day. Are you going to get on the bridge and go across Grandfather Mountain like that, or are you going to stay back and let everybody else have all the fun, right? So you got to, you got to decide. Well, here's the deal. That is what our Christian life is like. We have to decide, are we going to have anything to stand upon? Is it shaky? Is it solid? Is it steady? Do we know the builder? Do we know, do we know who, who we can rely upon? And, and that's the situation we're talking about, justification. That's the concept uh, it has practical implications for us. And it is, that, therefore, 
thought of well and describing our salvation well as a legal status. It doesn't say everything you can say about salvation, but it gives you one very helpful category to, to consider for yourself that you can stand upon God's promises in His Word, that He is for you and not against you, that He forgives you, that He is one with you, and He will never leave you. He is going to be yours, and you're going to be His because of this thing called justification. All right, so let's get to it. We're going to look at the uh, third uh, section of this chapter 11. You should have a handout before you. Third section we're going to read. We'll pray briefly. And we'll go through some relevant scripture passages and have a discussion about this today. So we're going to read the third section just to start us off and we'll pray. Uh, and hear, hear, the, hear this uh, section from, from the confession. It says, Christ, by his obedience and death, did fully discharge the debt of all those that are thus justified. And did make a proper, real, and full satisfaction to his Father's justice in their behalf. Yet inasmuch as he was given by the Father for them, and his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead, and both freely, not for anything in them, their justification is only of free grace, then both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. Let's pray for a moment. Uh, Our Heavenly Father, we ask for your blessing upon this discussion. We ask for your blessings upon the reading of your word. We ask for the, the blessings of it as you uh, call us to trust you, uh, repent of our sin, obey you, and rely upon you to, to trust you. We ask that you would give us uh, great confidence in you and hope in you today as we look at our Savior Christ and the work of justification in your scriptures. So we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we get to it today, consider that you have, uh, you have to make a decision again if you're going to rely upon the bridge. So this bridge uh, that we talked about in the beginning is a suspension bridge that is roughly over 5,000 feet in the air uh, and extends uh, quite, a, quite some distance in North Carolina at Grandfather Mountain. And this is something we did this summer in our, in our uh, vacation trip. So as you get on that bridge, you have to think about reasons you would want to uh, stand upon it, why, or why would you not? And so as you're thinking about your own salvation, your own standing with God and how you relate to Him, is this something you can stand upon and rest upon and rely upon, or is it shaky and rather uh, unreliable? That's the question. Is our salvation reliable or unreliable? So let's look at this third section and just see a few things that might cause us to have reason to hope in the bridge, you know, to hope in Christ or, or justification. Uh, what would be some like, you know, things in that, in, that, in that section that you highlight and you think immediately, well, that's, that's encouraging. By his obedience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It, it, and that's right. So, so there's a lot there in that first uh, few, few words there. Christ, by his obedience and death, right? So by his good works, his life, and his death, did fully discharge the debts. Okay, now, do you consider yourself a debtor, right? If, you, if you're a debtor and you don't know it, that's, a, that's trouble, you know, because like you, you show up and, and, you, and you go to pay for lunch and your credit card gets denied. You know, you can't pay for lunch. You don't have any money. Your, your check bounces, right? These are problems. You know, if, if you have a debt, uh, you know, there's, a, there's you know, a situation when you get to a point where you're like, I, I have no, I, I have too many debts and not enough income, not enough hope of income to actually uh, pay this off. So then I declare what? Bankruptcy. Yeah, I am bankrupt. 
uh, and that's how you do it. You just say ah, bankruptcy. I declare no. You don't. You have to actually go through a process, right? And and you, you you go through the bankruptcy thing, and you say, well, I am helplessly a debtor here. Uh, I have no possibility. But what we're saying here is, we have debts entirely above our ability to pay with God, and what it is is His Christ's obedience and death fully discharge our debts. That so that means that when our relationship with God is in question. Uh, we have the assurance of the obedience and death to put forward as the proof of purchase uh, that we are, our debts have been wiped away and we have no more debt. Okay, so that's big. That's big. Now, the second point there after that, uh, for all those that are justified, and then the second point there is that it did, it did make a proper, real, and full satisfaction to his father's justice in their behalf. So you've got this debt you owe, you know, that you, you've, you've run up the tab on this thing, you can't pay it. But also this justice, this full satisfaction is, is for, for the justice for our sins must be paid as well. And you consider committing crimes and, and then you, you, there's, a, there's a legal requirement on that. And what we have here is we as, we as creatures have sinned against an infinite creator and, and been um, you know, we've earned an infinite penalty that we cannot pay. And what we see here is that, uh, that Christ's full, proper, real satisfaction uh, is made to the Father's justice on our behalf. And you see there are scripture verses that, that highlight all of these uh, under A, which would be the Isaiah 53 passage. The, um, uh, which can someone uh, look that up for me real quick in your notes? Uh, and if you don't have it, please let me remind you that Reformed Companion, the purple application on your phones, is one of the best resources on your cell phones or devices to pull up these uh, scripture verses and, and confession really quickly and see all the confession and catechisms. It's a really great, great tool. So has anyone got the, uh, the Isaiah 53 passage real quick? Four through six. Surely you have borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yes. and yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you. Yeah, if you're gonna so if you're gonna walk out on that bridge, if you're gonna walk to if you're gonna approach God uh, and, and say, "Here I am," do you what do you have assurance based on that verse that that the uh, that your standing will hold? Will the bridge hold? Makes going across that bridge a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I mean, so if it's if it's about this, in what ways? What what are some key key phrases here? Uh, I think I'll look at five, right? Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. Yeah. His chastisement, our peace was upon for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So reconciled, healed, uh, the debts are paid, uh, the the atonement has been made. Uh, this is big. This is big. Uh, and it says here in the in the next clause of three, yet inasmuch as he was given by the Father for them. And his obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead. What is it referring to? His obedience and satisfaction accepted in their stead. Yeah, 
life he lived in the price that we paid on Calvary. Yeah. And, and yes, and there's in the stead for our, for our for our own our own stead, uh, and say say so you say there and both freely, not for anything in them, uh, being our works right, uh, their justification is only uh, of free grace. It also wasn't because God made us uh, changed. He did he did different. He, he you know he, he made us different. Um, you know uh, it's because it's all in Christ. That we are justified now he does make us different but that's a different category that's called sanctification and the uh, roman catholic document do- doctrine confuses those concepts it muddies those concepts together conflates them in making justification uh, and sanctification a combo and, and that and that way you can you can think about it well you're justified on the basis of god making you righteous or infusing righteousness into you and changing you and then there's a there's a question of can it be lost because it has something to do with what's in me and what I am, uh, versus being completely outside of me, resting upon Jesus' righteousness and death for me, His obedience and death for me. Okay, uh, there's a, there's a difference there, big big time. And so our our status status is not going to be shaky because it has nothing to do with us. Okay, it is only a free grace, as it says in the, in the next line there, fourth fourth line. And it says that both the exact justice and rich grace of God might be glorified in the justification of sinners. Now, this is widely different than the Arminian view. Now, the Arminian view is that there's a, there's a law that we must obey. And what, what, we, what we see in, in legalism is that I must do these laws in order to be justified. Uh, and if I disobey these laws, then I will be rejected. And so understanding God takes law keeping seriously and righteousness, uh, what, what the Arminian has done is taken the righteous standards of the law and conflated them down into one work, which is believe, have faith. That is the work that you must do, right? Versus uh, the whole obedience to the law. Now what we see in this section is that we're not justified on account of our faith, uh, we're justified on account of Christ's obedience and His death. You see that that there's there's there, His works, yeah yeah, not our works, not our faith. Like our our faith is the instrument we receive this thing by. So we're resting upon what He did. So there's a question there: What is faith? Uh, if it's about faith, then you have to kind of look at yourself and, and wonder also: Is this bridge going to hold? Because you got to think about: Is my faith legitimate? Is my faith strong enough? Is my faith trustworthy right so so it's, it becomes uh, uh, you know a looking back at me does that make sense guys you want to you want to eliminate faith from the equation faith is is what you receive the the work uh, with uh, it is not the the instrument itself it's not the bridge uh, okay so what would be an example what would be an analogy of faith would be faith is okay I'm going to trust the bridge uh, the bridge is not me the bridge is outside of me I'm going to uh, Put my you know, life and existence and faith in Christ to make me right with God. Now it says in four, God did from all eternity to create and justify all the elect, and Christ did in the fullness of time die for their sins and rise again for their justification. Nevertheless, they are not justified until the Holy Spirit doth, in due time, actually apply Christ unto them. We read the verse uh, Romans eight thirty last week, which says. Uh, that Christ uh, 
predestined those uh, to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? He predestined them, he called them, he justified them, and he uh, glorified them. And predestined, cho- chosen, predestined, called, justified, and glorified. So you see a timeline of how it's worked out. There's in, in eternity in God, he's eternal, there, he does outside of history, there is a choice in the counsel of God that God makes for us, and that's worked out in history as we are effectually called, and then subsequently justified, and then ultimately glorified. So, so there you go. So, so you're not actually justified until you believe. Okay? Any questions on that? Maybe a tricky concept, but uh, anyone, anyone have any thoughts or questions on that one? Julius, you're looking at me. No questions? Well, you're teaching. Oh, good, okay. No, I, Thank you for... Yeah. Yeah. Just making some observations. That's, that's always amazed me that at the time Paul wrote that, mm-hmm. uh, the golden chain, and at mm-hmm. the time the divines came up with this statement, yeah. there, I was as yet uh, justified in time, mm-hmm. and yet scriptures that Paul wrote indicate that I was already... Mm-hmm. It's as good as done. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's just remarkable. Yeah. Yeah. Because, again, it doesn't rest on you, right, in any way, shape, or form, right? The faith you exercise is a gift because you've been effectually called, right? Uh, so let's go to um, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. We'll look at that real fast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And then will someone look up uh, Philippians 3, 3 through 9 as well? So let's get uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, then Philippians 3, 3 through 9. Okay? Who will read the Ephesians for me? Probably on your, below your text as well. Uh, what verses did you want uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, and then Philippians 3, 3. Ephesians. Thank you. For by grace you can save faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Mm. Not as the result of works, so that no one may boast. Great. Yeah, thank you very much. You see, you see what he's saying there. You're saved by faith, but you gotta understand the faith was a gift as well. It's a gift of God. It's not something that you are able to, to well up in yourself. Uh, we're saved by grace. Uh, if it was if faith was a work, uh, then we would be able to boast, right? So that's something we've accomplished, then we would be able to boast. But that's it. faith is excluded from and salvation is all excluded from boasting because we don't have anything to do with it. As Julius said. It had it had roots in eternity before I existed, uh, and God, God, God chooses me, uh, predestines me, calls me, and I and when I'm called, let's think about what that is again. Like we talked about this three weeks ago, but being called is essentially like it's parallel to being born again. Uh, how many of us made ourselves born? I mean, like no, I mean, it doesn't work. You know, you don't make yourself born. Uh, this is you're completely passive in this whole process. You don't exist, uh, and so you are graciously born. Uh, miraculously by God's work of the Spirit uh, as He calls you and you hear the, you hear the voice. You hear the, uh, the, the, the voice of your Savior and you desire Him. Uh, and that's not, uh, some of us, uh, it's not, it's not, it's not, we, have, we knew a point where we decided, I'm going to trust Jesus. You know, some of us grew up in, in a church home and we, we've always sort of known that Jesus was Lord. You know, we, we've always, and, and as we grew in maturity and, and understanding, we've developed in our understanding of, of, of what his lordship is. 
but but that's never been a question for us necessarily. But some of us knew that time when, when our lives were, we, we, we understand there was a calling there that we heard, and, and we, we went from being rebels to, to uh, obedient servants of God, right? That's what we are uh, now, and that's what we desire to be. So, so but that, to be, even to desire to be an obedient servant of God is a miracle for any of us, as we've learned over the course of the weeks, is that we're sinners uh, and, and desire to rebel against God yeah. uh, all of our days if, if God doesn't change us. Okay, so it says there, we're not justified at the end of that section for until the Holy Spirit doth in due time actually apply Christ unto us. Uh, one of our uh, guests a couple weeks ago took with him a book uh, after the service called John Murray's Redemption Accomplished and Applied. And I think that is a great, just the, the title itself helps us because it's accomplished by Christ and his work is applied by the Spirit in time to us, and we receive it by grace. So, so this, this work that remains, it's completely outside of me. This helps me to understand this. It's completely outside of me. I didn't have anything to do with it. It happened way before I even was born. And then in my life, at some time in my life, it was applied to me. All the blessings of the covenant of grace were applied to me uh, by God's grace. It's by grace. I didn't, even, I didn't, I didn't seek them out, but uh, I was chosen, and here I am at this point. Now I believe it. Uh, it's, the mo- it's the most unlikely story. I wouldn't have planned it this way. I wouldn't have thought that this would be my life. But now I'm, a, I'm in Christ. And that's, that's a, that happened in history. So it's both a historical and that it was outside of history, but then it happened in history way before I existed. And now it's become a reality in me that, that, I, that I embrace it. Uh, and I'm different. Okay. Hugely important to think about it in that t- timeline. That's actually uh, truly done in history and accomplished. Uh, before I was born, yeah, and some of us, some of us actually uh, not in this room, but in the uh, church triumphant, uh, were uh, born before Christ came. You know, right before Christ was born of the Virgin and and lived and suffered and, and was crucified and died and rose again and ascended into heaven. They were alive before that, of course. We talked about Abraham and and David. David, he says, blesses the man whose sins are not counted against him in Romans four, uh, seven. He's quoting quoting Psalms. And he's, and he's quoting uh, Abraham, he's quoting Genesis, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness in, in uh, Romans 4, uh, 3. As you look at that, you think, well, yeah, it, it makes sense that those guys could be justified because it had nothing to do with them. You know, they're trusting God's word, his promises, as, as much as they had to trust at that time. So this thing, justification, your ability to walk out into the, the, the court of God and stand and know there's going to be a verdict read against you or for you, that had nothing to do with you. Uh, but it has everything to do with what Christ has done, and you can go with confidence before the, before the justice, before the judge, and know that you don't only have you know, uh, the judge in front of you, you have the defense attorney beside you, and, he, and he's your sacrifice, and he is your obedience, and he is, he is your justification. So that's a big deal. All right, let's look at the fifth point here on the, on the first page. God doth continue to forgive the sins of those that are justified, and although they can never fall from the state of justification, yet they may by their sin fall under God's fatherly displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored unto them until they humble themselves, confess their sins, beg pardon, and renew their faith and repentance. What's he saying? What are they saying here? All 
Are they saying you can, I'm just going to ask this question. Are they saying someone can be more or less justified? They're not saying that. Never would they say that. They're saying what? Those that are justified live a life of repentance. Yes. Like, you can't be unjustified. Yes, you can't. Lose our justification, but through our sin... We can, like I said here, fall under God's probable displeasure. Yeah. Until we repent. Yeah. There's an experiential loss. There's there's a, a status that is never lost. You can never fall from the state of justification, as it says there in the first and second line there. <laughs> Yet they may by their sins fall into the father displeasure and not have the light of his countenance restored to them until they humble themselves. So there's a there's a there, there, there there's a real I mean our, our, our not to say our works don't matter I mean like our works matter for the the quality of our joy like in life and and and, to, and enjoy God and glorify Him like this is our new purpose and so that's why our sins actually do grieve us so greatly we hate that we glorify God we hate that we we hurt our friends and our our neighbors and our church members and everyone else that we know and our, it's like it's completely out of accord with what we are in Christ and so it's a devastating loss to us uh, and to feel that we've you know let God down actually you know this is this is not a, not a fun thing to think about I did it again here I am I uh, can't believe I was so foolish to to sin again in this way and here I am uh, but the good news is when when I repent okay now what is repentance repentance uh, is anyone not, can anyone please define for me what repentance is I would love to hear it I bet we if we go around the room we'd have you know 12 or 15 different definitions of repentance right but what would be a good, what, what, can anyone got a good summary that helps them? Please, uh, please let me know. Yes, Joel. Uh, in the Greek, it's called metanoia. Yeah. It means to turn. Right. So it doesn't merely mean to feel bad about what you do. It means to actually stop doing what you do. Yeah. And look to, look to who? Turn away from mm-hmm. running from God. To turn to God. Yes. Run back to God, right? Yeah, right. So that would be, um, you know, trust and obedience, correct? Like you want to, you want to turn after new obedience, but turn to Christ, who is your righteousness, right? Stop trying to do it on your own way, too. That's another thing, too. Is like get over yourself and rest in Christ. And this is the big, this is the big uh, issue with us, is we can we can start to live as a justification dependent upon us and what we do and what we don't do. Uh, and so part of repentance is that continually. Uh, preaching that gospel to ourselves, we're like, okay, like, what is my justification? What is my status? Now, I don't feel 100% here, but I, I feel pretty low, actually. But am I going to be able to approach God? Yes, by God's grace, by Christ alone, by faith, not by my works. So I shouldn't get get all arrogant and proud when I feel better. Uh, and I shouldn't be, uh, you know, like, <clears throat> you know, afraid to approach God when I'm low. I can go to him with the, with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, even when the uh, the devil's accusing us, so to speak, and looking at us, saying, "Hey, they're not qualified. They're not wearing the right things," uh, and then that's what that's a, the great image of this is Zechariah three, uh, and a great image in the in the Old Testament prophecy, Zechariah, second book before Matthew, where you got a dirty priest who's not wearing the right things. He's wearing the filthy garments, and and God takes those garments off of him and places the righteous robes on him, uh, promising the Messiah to come. Uh, I think that's that's the key thing is we're, when we're repenting, we're, we're turning away from our sin, we're confessing our sin, we're asking pardon, and we're renewing our faith and repentance. We're renewing who is our righteousness, where, is it, where does it fall? Not on me, it's on Christ. Now, 
thankfully, that's that's the that's the situation. So second, uh, the last uh, line here, the justification of believers under the Old Testament was in all these respects one and the same with the justification of believers under the New Testament. So it's cleaning up some some misunderstandings you might have about why uh, or how how Old Testament believers were were um, were uh, justified as well. Okay, uh, question. Uh, how does Scripture affirm that believers are justified by faith as gifted by God? Uh, and then I guess the question is, how should that humble us that this is a gift uh, by faith of God? How should that humble me if it's justification by gift? Doesn't it take away any pride that you would have? In yeah. Your own? Losing pride. <laughs> Loss of pride. Why is it? Why do I lose my pride here? You have nothing to brag about. Yeah. It's the great leveler, right? It's the, any any everyone, the great leveling. So negatively, I lose pride. What about because it's a gift? Because a gift. What do I What do I feel when I get a great gift from a friend? Thankful, grateful, joyful. Yeah. So gratitude, joy. Why do we live in a joyless existence in a proud and arrogant world uh, that's hateful? Uh, because justification is largely unknown. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's the answer. Uh, justification, largely unknown. Highly practical. Pride, joy, thankfulness. These, you know, the answer for, for it to make people kinder uh, is not uh, social emotional learning. I mean, like there's there's benefits in, in these things, but but the, the way to make people kinder, thoughtful, joyful, grateful, and less arrogant is to know you can stand on the on the bridge and stand before the Lord our God Almighty, uh, clean and forgiven and loved. Uh, you know, you're not you're not just. In fact, he's not just like, okay, I've got to get home to my kids. I've got to get home to my wife, the judge, that is. And, okay, I'll let you go. You know, like he's not just saying, I'm going to let you go. He's saying, okay, not guilty, acquitted. He's justly accepting you as righteous on the basis of Christ. He said, he looks at your case. It's spotless. You are 100% righteous as if you've never sinned. Uh, that's a strong, that's a strong declaration and a strong, uh, you know, uh, endorsement, you know. You applying for the job? Let me see your references. Uh, well, I've got this one. This is all, this is my ultimate reference. Uh, the Lord Almighty says I'm righteous. Okay, that's that's the who. who what are we going to present before the Lord in heaven uh, when we get to the the, the the judgment day? Okay, so any other questions or thoughts? We we'll wrap it up today. Try to do better next time. Uh, just to be honest with you guys. I wish we could do. I wish we could be longer. Wish we could take more time. But uh, we'll get to. Um, Adoption next week? Is that cool? You guys ready to move on to adoption? Doesn't matter. We're going to do it anyway. So uh, we're going to do that. We're going to move on to adoption. So uh, we're going to go to the next chapter, and uh, that'll be great. Well, um, uh, Cody Wamper, will you close in a word of prayer? Sure. Apply this. Father, we thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for your faithfulness, um, Christ's work, his righteousness given to us, Lord, um, his death away our sin, Father, call the punishment for what we deserve, and for we are, just as Justin has talked about, we are, we are declared righteous, not just not guilty, but 
Isaac would perfectly obey every command you give him. Father, that is uh, beyond understanding for us in some ways without the faith that you've given to us. And Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for those truths. And uh, Lord, we thank you for uh, fellowship together, uh, worshiping you and being reminded of these wonderful truths. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Take this with you guys. Preach it to yourself. Preach it to everybody. See y'all next week. I'll see you in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs>